It's good to be with you, church. It's always our joy to open up the Word of God together. We have been studying, as you have heard the word read out loud, studying the book of Micah with the themes of walk humbly with hope. And in a way of review, if you remember where we have been, the first three chapters are just so much about the sin and judgment of the nations. So God calls us to humble ourselves and truly repent of our sins. The theme of humbling ourselves are pretty predominant. And the last week, if you remember, in that last day, we finally got the glimpse of this glorious hope that is to come when Jesus returns. Not only we walk humbly, but with a hope, that hope that is to come. And today and next week, where we are going as you continue, as we continue in the book of Micah, is to then know how to walk in between this brokenness marred by sin and judgment and this glorious hope that is to come. How do you live in between these two ages? How to walk in hope in the midst of this brokenness that we see in us and around us? So the question is not the matter of if we struggle. The question is really when we struggle. It's inevitable. Uh, So might as well, we are called to struggle well in the midst of all our brokenness. Uh, Just a few weeks ago, I shared some of this, what I'm about to say with our staff too. I read an article that was released on New Year's Day 2022 this year. A New York Times article that's called, uh, title of the article was, A Nation on Hold Wants to Speak with a Manager. Subtitle, in our anger-filled age, when people need to shop or travel or cope with mild disappointment, they are delving into children. Whole premise of the article is that people are so boiled up at the breaking point these days that when they go to grocery store, they are just mad. They don't even talk to employees anymore. First words come out of people's mouths are, where's your manager? Bring the manager out. People are so amped up and frustrated in many ways. Let me just read the opening part of the article. Nerves at the grocery store were already frayed in the way of these things as the pandemic slouches toward its third year when the customer arrived. He wanted Cambozola, a type of blue cheese. He had been cooped up for a long time. He scoured the dairy area, nothing. He flagged down an employee who also did not see the cheese. He demanded that she hunt in the back and look it up on the store computer. No luck. Then he lost it. Just another out-of-control member of the great chorus of American consumer outrage, 2021 style. Have you seen a man in his 60s have a full temper tantrum because we don't have the expensive imported cheese he wants? Said the employee, who described the mood at the store as angry, confused, and fearful. You are looking at someone and thinking, I don't think this is about the cheese. (laughs) Had someone just lost on you, blow up, because there are so much at the boiling point. Or are you at the point of breaking point? 
You're like, this is so much. I feel so amped up. As much as you would like to blame pandemic, as much as you would like to blame circumstance, what is happening within you? In the midst of all our brokenness, we are broken and the world is broken. The question that we are exploring is, then how in the world are we supposed to live in the midst of this glorious hope and this brokenness? How are we supposed to live? Today, I'll pick up where Pastor Shep left us In the second half of chapter 4, its message is relatively simple that we are about to explore, verse 4 through all the way down, is that because of Israel's sin, God's judgment will come. A Syrian kingdom will invade the nation. Therefore, they will go out into exile to Babylon. But one day, God's remnant, the promised people, God will restore those people, all that is lost relatively simple message it teaches us how to live in the between the in exile in brokenness so today through this text we'll observe three promises of god what god promises for us first he'll promise us that he will restore us from brokenness so first we will learn restoration from brokenness verse six through eight second not only restoration from brokenness but restoration through brokenness verse 9 through 12. And lastly, third, the hope in the midst of brokenness and restoration, verse 12, verse 13, and all forward to chapter 5. So first, God promised us that he will restore from brokenness. Let's look at verse 6 and 7. When he says, verse 6, in that day, do you remember last Sunday what Pastor Shep said? In that last day, he left there and brought us back right here. That's exactly the same meaning. He says, in that day, it goes back to the end days, eschatological vision one day. In that day, God will bring all things back. And what does it say? It declares the Lord, verse 6, I will gather the lame. I will assemble the exile and those I have brought to grief. God says he will bring all the lame, those whom the ones that God himself brought grief. In verse 7, I'll make the lame, those lame, my remnant. Remnant is referring to those who have humbled themselves, repented of their sin. Thus, they survive the judgment of Assyrian and then come back as a returned people of God. And when you look at this passage, what is this whole lame thing that God is talking about? This word lame, Hebrew word lame used here is not a typical Hebrew word for lame. This word is actually only used aside from here once in Jephaniah and once most significantly in Genesis chapter 32. When you read Genesis 32, here is the famous account of Jacob limping, wrestling with God. So we must understand what happens in Jacob's life really to understand and appreciate what this lame really means. When you think about Jacob, I consider Jacob as the, how should I say, one of the most contemporary figure in modern culture. Jacob is so relatable. I relate to Jacob just about anything. I mean, when you look at Jacob's life, he went for the influence at all costs. He deceived his brother, deceived his father. I want this blessing of material possession. I want this blessing of influence. Be mighty at all cost. Therefore, it created so much havoc. And then he loved, he was rose-colored glasses. He was struck by physical beauty of Rachel. 
It was so much that he was so driven by the physical beauty that he tells his, he says, hey, give me your daughter, Laban, so that I may go into your daughter. First of all, you don't talk to your future father-in-law like that. But Jacob was so blinded by the love, name it, sex, power, and money. Jacob was obsessed over that. God, I want the blessing of influence. If only I get this promotion. God, I want the influence of all this material possession. Give me all the blessing. I'll do anything possible to possess that. Oh, I am so awestruck by the physical beauty. That's the meaning of my life. Give me Rachel. That's all he cared for. In the end, that created massive havoc in his life. Just like contemporary, all of us. That's the modern obsession. If only I make just a little more money. If only I have just a little bit more promotion, influence. If only the obsession over beauty, power, influence, money. Uh, Jacob had it all. But in the end, there is the famous account. After Jacob has been running away from his brother, his father, finally, he's about to encounter God. The day before that he meets his brother who got mad at Jacob, pursuing him, Jacob meets God. And all night, uh, there's a wrestling match breakup between the angel of the Lord and Jacob. When the Bible says the angel of the Lord, it's God. God himself shows up to wrestle. And then what happened? He says that Jacob wrestled with God all night in the end. Jacob's hip socket goes out of joint, and Jacob limps. He becomes lame the rest of his life. You might say, whoa, that's really harsh judgment of God. But that was the very turning point in Jacob's life. After obsessing over, if only I have this physical beauty that I glory about. If only I have all this money. If only I have all this material possession. By all means, he was deceiving and cunning all people at all costs to gain what he wanted. He realized that, ah, oh, one that I've been wrestling all my life. It's not those things that I've been looking for from the world. The true meaning of life, the one I really needed to wrestle with was mighty God. God, I will not let you go until you not the things of the world, until you bless me. Chelton, before I go any further, I just want to extend my warm welcome to all of us who are searching for meaning of life today. Perhaps you're just like Jacob. You think, oh man, if only I get married. If only I get all this material possession. That will give me all the fulfillment of longings of my heart. Well, the one you really need to wrestle with, not those things. You're not here by accident. But the one you need to wrestle with is Almighty God. The reason why you are here is that God brought you here, and we are so thankful that you are here. So please don't check us out just yet as you explore the Word of God. And for all of us, you intellectually know that God is the meaning of life. But functionally, we all are wrestling with those things in life, right? whether it be the beauty, whether it be the power, money, the one that we really need to wrestle today is God. And you might say before the Lord, God, that's really harsh. So you just get the hip joint out of Jacob. He limps the rest of his life. That's harsh. No. By God breaking down Jacob, through God breaking down Jacob, God restores Jacob from his brokenness. That was the turning point in Jacob's life. And no longer he's seeking all the blessings from this and that and that. He says, God, I will not let you go until you 
are the one who blesses me. And he limps the rest of his life, just like that by God breaking down Jacob, God restores Jacob from his brokenness, all the longing that he had. In the same manner here, Micah says in verse 6, God says, hey, I will gather the lame. Those people, I have brought grief upon myself. It is God who broke the people of God. But through that, God restores people of God from their brokenness. Those who have been humbled and repented by the judgment of God, God will gather the lamb. He promises that, Jen, I will restore you from your own brokenness. So today, Chelton, who are you wrestling with? Yes, you can say that you are wrestling with the pandemic. It has been a difficult few years. But at the same time, no, it's so much more than that. Yes, you are wrestling with perhaps your security account, your retirement account, your finance. But what is underneath that? Go one step further. Yes, perhaps you are wrestling with your spouse. But what is underneath all that God is trying to teach you? Why is God breaking you down? He is breaking you to restore you from your brokenness. What is God teaching you, revealing it to you today? You might say, oh, Jen, then it's just way too harsh of God. <laughs> Jacob limps the rest of his life. He gathers the lame that he brought grief upon by God's will. Well, but at the same time, do you see actually how gentle God is toward you and how gentle God was to Jacob? When you read Genesis 32 account, it says that they wrestled, angel of the Lord and Jacob wrestled all night. In order for two people to wrestle all night, they ought to be kind of similar strength level, right? But then all of a sudden, after the break of the dawn, it doesn't say God strike a blow on Jacob's hip socket. No, it's the, one of the most gentle Hebrew words. God touched Jacob, and his hip socket goes out of joint. What does that mean? God was gentle toward Jacob all night until Jacob learns the lesson. And after he limps, he realized, God, you are the one I've been longing for all day. So even though sometimes God's care for you, when God breaks you, whatever the agony you have in your heart seems really brutal, but do not forget he's gentle towards you. He will gather his remnant, those whom God brought grief upon. In the end, he will gather the lame. He will restore from all brokenness. When you read the, one of the Louis' famous book, The Chronicles of Narnia, there's the one book, The Voyage of Don Trader. In those pages, there's a character named Eustace who is driven away by his own lustful desire of all greediness. So he jumps into the pile of money and gold, and this boy who fell into his lustful desire of material possession turns into a monster dragon. So he sees himself abhorred. I'm like, oh no, who did I turn myself into? And he tries to bring himself back to human again by peeling his skin off there's nothing he can do. Only as he peels his skin off, there's another thick layer. But then his savior appears, the Aslan. This is what Eustace says. Then the lion said, you will have to let me undress you. I was afraid of his claws, I can tell you. But I was pretty nearly desperate now. So I just lay flat down on my back to let him do it. The very first tear he made was so deep that I thought it had gone right into my heart. 
And when he began pulling the skin off, it hurt worse than anything I've ever felt. Yet I would turn into a boy again. After a bit, a bit the lion took me out and dressed me in new clothes. Children, when you encounter your own brokenness and ugliness, it is very painful and difficult. But you will have to let God undress you from your that self-righteousness, your own brokenness, and let God clothe you to a beauty, to a new person that he designed you to be. When you're going through that, it's so painful and trying. When God reveals ugliness of your heart, ah, it's painful. When I look back at my own journal, there are many accounts that I get very encouraged. That God, wow, I don't struggle with this anymore. This is really encouraging. Praise be to God after years. But also, there's this one thing. I'm like a dog returning to my own vomit. I get so discouraged. After a decade, I'm looking at my journal, and I'm like, God, I am still struggling. Can I really change? Sometimes I just want to throw a towel. I don't even know what to do. Is there hope for me? But sometimes God brings me to the breaking point so that he can restore me from my own brokenness. What is that for you today? Perhaps you are at the boiling point, uh, but hold on. It is God who will gather the lame. It is God who brought the grave, and he said, I will gather my remnant to restore that, and all will be restored to you. Kingship of, will come to daughter of Zion, verse 8. One day God will make all things beautiful. Those fresh wounds that you have right now in your trial, hold on to God. Say to God, God, I will not let you go until you bless me. And when he restores you, this fresh wound will become a beautiful scar that you can show. This is the story of how God has healed me. Shelton, don't lose heart in the midst of brokenness. He will restore us from brokenness. Not only that, second, God does not only restore us from brokenness, but also through brokenness. Well, read verse 9 and 10. When you read it, it might perplexing for a second, but let me show you what is happening here. Why do you now cry aloud? Have you no king? Has your ruler perished? The pain seized you like that of a woman in labor? Rive in agony, daughter Zion, like a woman in labor. For now, you must leave the city to camp in the open field. You will go to Babylon. There you will be rescued. There the Lord will redeem you out of the hand of your enemies. What is this talking about? The one that I mentioned at the beginning. Because all their sin and judgment, a Syrian kingdom will come, they will exile to Babylon. But those who repent, those who survive the judgment of God will re return to this the land that God has promised. But notice the language that God uses here, the woman in labor. As a man, I'll never have to or know how painful the excruciating pain the labor is. Ladies, you know. You know what it's like. But I hear that it's incredibly difficult and painful. At the same time, when you see oh, this beautiful new child, the pain eclipsed by the beauty of this new life that is born, the very pain that God has brought upon is also redeemed when you see this glorious child. Just like that here, they are in agony, daughter Zion. And you think when God restores us, he'll bring us to upward, heavenward, happy word, right? But what does verse 10 say? Does it say you will go to Canaan? 
the promised land. You will go to upward, onward heaven, success and bliss. No. How does he redeem us? Wait, a Syrian kingdom attack us and he says, you will go to Babylon? That's the land of darkness, land of suffering, land of brokenness. And there you will be redeemed? What? Through pain and suffering, we will be redeemed, we will be rescued? How does that work? God, you are sending us into the hand of enemies, and there the Lord will redeem you out of the hand of your enemies by throwing us into that? Sometimes the way God redeems us is very through the brokenness. It's not only enemies of the Lord who do not understand will of God. We don't like it because we want God to restore us through success, through joy. But sometimes God restores us through, not only from brokenness, but through brokenness, through Babylon. And we don't like that, do we? Oh, man. I want a happy story. I, uh, life has been hard enough. Why do I have to say that I have to be broken again? So we don't like it. Verse 12, it's not only the enemies of the Lord. They do not know the thoughts of the Lord. They do not understand his plan that he has gathered them like sheep to the threshing floor. In order for the grain to be sifted, it must go through the sifting process. Just like the pastor Bill said during the congregational prayer, God sometimes puts us in a refiner's fire exactly to purify us and to mold us. As Louis says, God might whisper in our success and happy time, but he shouts in our pain. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. How is God breaking you today? <laughs> What's the boiling point in your heart? Man, it's been so hard in my life. But will you choose to see the hand of God in the midst of brokenness that God is working in you? Uh, God is trying to sanctify you. It's through the agony of childbearing pain. It's through the Babylon that you will be rescued and redeemed. I don't like it. I don't. I wish the holiness and wholeness come from success and bliss, not terrible time. When I look back at my own life, there are, I counted it, and I journaled because I journaled about it a few years ago. There are about 15 events. I'm really saying literal, I mean, plus minus, but roughly speaking, 15 events that like dramatically really changed who I am as a person. And I would love to say those 15 of them were happiest moment in my life. Yes, I achieved it. I made it, nailed it. Out of those 15 events, only five of them are joyous and happy moments that God used to really shape me. Out of 15, 10 of them, I don't even want to think about it. Those are so excruciatingly painful that I say, God, I don't even know whether I can make it. I shared one of them with you like a couple of years ago. Let me, might as well share it one more time. In 2000 and 2001, my dad is a pastor in a back home church. Um, he still is faithfully pastoring over 30 years. And this is a time that where Beckham Church went through a near split. It was a terrible time. But this is what I wrote down in my journal back then 20 years ago. My Beckham went through, was going through a terrible hardship and near split. But through those time, through those time of brokenness and deep suffering, God restored me and rebuilt his church. It was so painful that I said to myself, I'll never be a pastor. Yet God has redeemed one of my most painful memories in my life and led me through the pain and brokenness and led me to be a pastor and to be sensitive to the hurting people in difficult times. 
God only restored me, did not only restore me from brokenness, but very through brokenness. Even in this past five years, there are two events that I experienced the death of a loved one and a death of dream. Those were, <laughs> some of you saw what I was going through. It was incredibly painful. I was so dysfunctional. I did not know way through it. But Shelton, God was right there with me the whole time. God sometimes works in you. He breaks you to restore you through and through. So God doesn't only restore you, redeem you from your brokenness, but sometimes restores you through that deep suffering, through brokenness, through sorrow. So do not lose heart in the middle of all this trying season that God is bringing upon in your life today. But Shelton, what is it for you today? What is God calling you? You feel like you're like, oh man, this is so much. I'm about to spoil and explode. Rather than just blaming that upon your wife, rather than just blaming that to your children, rather than blaming that to your husband, co-worker, your friend, ask before the Lord, God, what are you trying to teach me? Why are you breaking me? Why are you the one that bringing grief upon my life? What are you trying to show me? It might very well be them. Yet at the same time, God is trying to use all the circumstances to show you something. God did not break Jacob just to make him lame all his life. God broke him to restore him from his brokenness, through his brokenness. So what is that for you, God? What is my this passive aggressiveness all about? What is the anger, frustration? What are you trying to show me today? Is there hope for me in the midst of brokenness? Parents, sometimes you blame your kids. Uh, they reveal sometimes you're impatient, don't they? I'm sorry, we'll go a long way. What is that God trying to show you in your brokenness, what God has been revealing to you? Take time to think about that and take time to humble yourself. What good is Micah 1 through 3 that we walk through? If we said, oh yeah, those Israelites need to repent. Oh yeah, they are wrong. Rather than doing that, God, what are you revealing to me? Why am I so frustrated right now? Why am I so empty? Uh, why am I losing hope? What is God trying to break you to precisely restore you? What is God teaching you today, church? Christian story isn't just upward, heavenward, onward, happily forever. It's up and down, up and down, up and down. Sometimes God breaks us to mold us. So, finally, then, third, what is our in the hope in the midst of this process of restoration and brokenness? Look verse 13. Rise and thresh, daughter Zion, for I will give you horns of iron. I will give you hooves of bronze, and you will break to pieces many nations. You will devote their ill-gotten gains to the Lord, their wealth to the Lord of all the earth. When God is trying to restore you from your brokenness and through brokenness, sometimes it's very easy to think, so I must do something, pulling myself up by booster. It's me who doing all things. But do you see in this passage, two, you will, and one, two, I will? It is a, God said, two, I will. I will give you all you need. I will give you all the strengths. I will uphold you in my victorious right hand. I will guide you. I will hold you. I'll provide all you need to fight the battle that you are going through today. I'm the one who may be breaking you, yet I will give you. I'm the one who brought grief upon you, but I will restore all my lame, make my remnant. I will give you all you need in your each point. What is God calling us and what is you will? 
whether it be the sufferings of this world, whether it be the brokenness of the world, whether it be the joys of the world, you will, we will devote ourselves to the Lord. Take all that is in this world, brokenness, all the joys, all the sorrows, we devote ourselves unto God as he sanctifies us, as he continually breaks us down today. So what does that look like for you today, Chilton? Oh, boy. How do I know what God has promised here? The here restore all things to be true. Micah says it, but like, how do I know it's true in the end? Can I give you a glorious teaser that will come next Sunday? Pastor Bill will walk us through, but let me give you a sneak peek. If you like this teaser, if you like the smelling of what we are cooking, come back next Sunday. You will see the glorious hope next Sunday. But let me give you the small bit of teaser. Look, chapter 5, verse 2, what does he say? But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be the ruler of Israel. Not through Jerusalem, the mighty big Bethlehem out of nowhere, the lion of Judah, the descendant of, Ju- of Judah, the ruler of Israel will come, and his name is Jesus. Upon his own shoulder out of Bethlehem, when he goes to the cross in the end, how do we know he will restore us from brokenness? How do we know he will restore us through brokenness? Because upon the cross, he takes not only our brokenness, but he takes cosmic brokenness upon his shoulder. He faces all our sin, suffering, sorrow, and cosmic brokenness all upon his shoulder, and he carries that upon all himself and descends into hell. Through Christ's brokenness, we are redeemed. He takes all that for us because he loves us. This prophecy will be fulfilled a few thousand years later. Out of Bethlehem, out of a small and insignificant, our mighty Savior will come, who will take up all our brokenness upon his shoulder on the cross. He is the hope of the world. He is the one that we will need to devote ourselves. So Chelton today, will you look to him? Will you ask before the Lord God, what are you trying to show me? I am so amped up these days. I'm at the verge of blowing up or losing hope. I'm just quick to blame the circumstance. I'm just quick to blame the people, loved ones around me. But what are you trying to show me? Will you sit still at the foot of the cross until he begins to melt your heart? Chelton, he really bore all my sins at the cross. I know I messed up, but I have hope because he took all my brokenness upon himself. You have hope too. Don't give up. He took cosmic brokenness of you upon himself so that you and I can have hope today. What is God trying to show you? It's not just about the blue cheese. It's so much more. What is that for you? God restores us from brokenness, yet God restores also through brokenness because our God Christ took all the cosmic brokenness at at his shoulder when he cried out, my God, my God, why, why have you forsaken me? He is our hope. Let us look to him. Let us walk humbly by beholding the cross of Jesus Christ. Let us walk humbly with this glorious hope. Broken people of God, let's pray together. Oh God, we look to you today. God, I don't like it when you break me down.
It's painful. It's no fun. And I feel like you have been doing that quite a bit this past few years in my life. And perhaps you have done the same to our people's heart, O Lord. But God, as you are gentle to Jacob, will you be gentle to us as well as you restore us? Because you breaking down Jacob was actually the very act of your restoration from our brokenness. God, what is it today that you are trying to show us through this passage? One day, this remnant will return with joy. Out of Bethlehem, our glorious king will come. So in the midst of all our brokenness within us, around us, help us to look to you. Help us to not lose heart in the middle of hardships. For one day, our glorious Savior has come and will come once again. So we say, O oh God, help us to fear not, for you are with us. Help us not be dismayed, knowing that you are our God. Oh God, sometimes when you bring deep brokenness and deep suffering, that grief look a lot like fear. Sometimes I get so afraid, God, I don't even know what to do. It's so painful on those fearful moments. Help us to look to you. Help us to acknowledge the beautiful things that you are doing in our hearts. Even if we don't see it in the middle of it, help us to praise you, for we know the outcome is secure. Our God who is mighty enough to save us, save us, redeem us day by day today. We look to you. In your precious name we pray. Amen.